Hello and welcome to the High Wide and Handsome Podcast, episode 20, 2-0. We're fifth of the way to 100 in four months. We're getting there, lads. There'll be a meet-up on the cards soon. Thank you so much to everyone who supported the podcast uh, from its inception. It, it really has come on leaps and bounds. And we're touching a thousand listeners weekly, which is unreal. Um, so yeah, look, really thank you. And it, it, it's been made possible by all your engagement, all your reviews, all your retweets, comments, messages directly to me to keep me motivated, all these things. So more of that, please. It's unreal. I guarantee you, you'll leave me a review if you're on Apple in less than 10 seconds. Like really, it's that quick. So please go and do it. Um, go and follow HWAH Podcast on Twitter if you're one of my Twitter followers, um, as it is going to hopefully be the main sort of page for the podcast going forward. HWAH Podcast on Instagram, if you just go over and chuck us now to follow. And Facebook, it's High Wide and Handsome Podcast, just getting out there everywhere so that I've got the, the kind of domain as such. Um, so yeah, look, Ross was a great guest, we had a lot of fun, we talked a load of shit. I was partic- in particularly... I don't know what you would call it. The type of form which leads to digressing and rants. Yeah, I don't even know what you would call that type of form. But uh, we really did have good fun. Scottish and Irish people tend to get along pretty well. And I think that comes across in the podcast. In terms of the swearing challenge, I will tot it up at the end very quickly for you. So if you're if you're one of those people donating or whatever in on the, the bandwagon, it's at the end. Don't leave just as I stop talking to Ross. There'll be another minute or two at the end. Let me know what you think of the podcast, reach out on social medias, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening, have a great week. And now I'm joined by Ross FI from Twitter, Ross, how are you? Hi John, how are you doing? Not too bad. I'm great, I'm great, thanks for joining me. Um... Look, I suppose you know the format of the show, and you know the first thing I'm going to ask you is to tell us a bit about your football index journey. Yeah, so um, kind of going back to when I was at university, because I've been at university sort of the last four years. Um, I was studying for a master's in accountancy and finance, and I had sort of some savings lying about. And I remember seeing an article on Twitter, and it was saying Sandro Tonali, the next Andrea Pirlo. I don't know if you've seen that one. Um, no, I'll probably, I've I've seen him compared to Pirlo like like more often than any other player anywhere is compared to anyone. Exactly, it's like they're just so similar in so many ways. It was the one that was like, oh, it's not just the haircut; it's the style as well. So read that and I was like, oh, great, blah blah blah. And I'd seen Football Index um, ages ago. You know what I mean? As they do, they're sort of advertising and stuff. It's quite good, I'd say on yeah. the whole. So sort of grabbed my attention, and it just it was just kind of. A perfect amalgamation at the time. Um, just so happened, I went on, and Sandro Tonali wasn't on the index. Um, so I was thinking, oh, what's going on here? So I think I started with like just sort of fifty pounds or something like that. Um, and a few boys at uni were just asking how it was, so that was fine. And then about a week or two later, Tonali got IPO'd. So that was the first time I sort of put what I thought was serious money at the time, and it was like a hundred and fifty pound. And I got him at like IPO price and held him for. Ages. I think I got out of like one fifty four new money, um. So I I held him to like two three hundred percent or whatever it was. Jesus. Um. And just seeing his sort of rise at the start, I think it was like fifty percent in the first sort of month or whatever. And I was like, 
this is this is ridiculous compared to getting uh i think my my bank was paying like 0.02 percent <laughs> yeah um so i was like i may as well um see if i can profit from my knowledge to use that old saying um which i don't see plastered about too much anymore I don't even know if it's associated with fi anymore what, what was it profit from your football knowledge yeah yeah i think it was on the original sort of campaign i don't know if they do it anywhere if they said anywhere because they obviously get a lot of criticism about people being like well i'm meant to profit from my football and knowledge if i can't buy players that aren't there and <laughs> i mean you're still profiting from football knowledge i suppose well, i've seen it quite a lot this week a lot a bit of criticism i thought the name our one was really good um comparing it to bitcoin because it's relevant yeah um, yeah i actually only seen that today there was someone saying about um it's simultaneously uh, encourages you to buy Neymar when there's going to be a price correction or something like that, mm. um, which seemed a bit silly. You see, people I thought were, it was good. Yeah, we'll talk about that actually now. Like this whole Neymar thing, right? Like, pe- when someone did someone say there's going to be a correction, is if they think he's going to come back in price? Yeah, I think so. I'm assuming yeah, well, that... all they can mean by that is his injury record's poor, and every time he seems to build up some sort of momentum, i.e., I mean, he put in some massive PV scores already this season. I think he's hit like. 204 times or something um yeah he's he's and then he just gets injured it's him and Messi are the two best like big shooters for pb like you can guarantee if they're on the pitch for 90 minutes they're going to be like in and around the 200 mark and if they've done go- if they've got goals or assists they're going to be competing um oh definitely i think but... they're 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 players that have shot to prominence as in players that can challenge yeah consistently over the season like about Neymar, right? Because he is a bit of a hot topic. Like I have held Neymar and I've got rid of Neymar and I've held Neymar and I've got rid of Neymar a couple of times in the last, whatever, 11, 12 months that I've been on the platform. And what I find with them is those injuries and the volatility in them and the rape allegation and this and that. I don't know. I just don't like them as a whole because I don't... Like, you have to put so much money in them to get anything worth having and then it's... I don't know, it's just so volatile that you're kind of sitting on the edge of your seat. It's like, for me to have anything worth having, I have to put 10 or 20% of my portfolio in them, which isn't happening. And That's kind of, yeah, I'm sort of the same. Like, I'm holding them in quite a small holding relative to what my portfolio is now. Yeah. Um, over the summer, him and him and Pogba became sort of my bigger holds because I knew they'd constantly churn out dividends, like, day on day. But then, obviously, the Pogba stuff with his capital depreciation yeah. um, is sort of into his, his dividend return um, and now he's not even really a viable PB hold at the moment yeah. I mean he's out till December apparently December? Um, I was looking on some, yeah. I don't know if it was one of the index skin reports and it said like 17 days but maybe he's been pushed back um, No I could be totally wrong then Well then, the, <laughs> the end of the day I'm still thinking in my head as if it's September, October but all of a sudden it's November like so I mean December's not that far away realistically for a turn The thing True. with Neymar though is do I think he's going to correct? If I'm, I'm going to just guess, right? I honestly don't have a clue, but I would say he will push nine quid. He will go nine fifty. He might approach ten when he returns if he has two or three game weeks in a row without injury. Yep. But like I, the reason I say that is, and it's not, he hasn't really risen as much as I thought he would off the back of a fifty-seven percent dividend announcement. And you know he's going to be linked with transfers, and it's going to be the whole saga next summer. Like that has to happen. And I know the euros will be there to take away from him, but like. He's going to be the most expensive transfer. You'd have to imagine. Maybe I don't know if Sancho would touch him. I don't think so. Like you're talking north of 150 million anyway, aren't you? Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think Sancho's going to touch him. But um, when you when you talk about Neymar, you know what I mean. The 
like you say, there's there's this sort of inherent volatility that he carries just because one of his injury record and two, you've seen there was quite strong rumours taking him away from the so-called Farmers League, um, which, I I mean, I don't think it would actually impact him as much as a lot of people think. Seeing him get back to a team like even like Barcelona, they're gonna they're gonna dominate with him up top. You know what I mean? It's gonna be much of a muchness, yeah. except he's maybe directly competing with Messi. But um, I, yeah, they're, they're competing with Messi. But the reason I think that he will still rise in price and maybe not correct yet, and I do not hold him, and I don't plan on because of the reasons I've stated. Um, however, I don't think he's a bad hold. But if you want a quick ten or twenty percent, I can't see Neymar getting that. And the reasons I can see it is almost just because of momentum within the community and within what everyone's saying. Everyone's saying Neymar's on his way up. Neymar's going up. Neymar's going to go up. Mm-hmm. And it, do you know? And because everyone's saying it, it these things generally happen, and the momentum will carry it, and it will happen. Then there might be a correction. But I just think like it's one of those where you feel like you've missed the boat, but. The momentum and, as they say, the sentiment of the community <laughs> is there that I think he can easily hit that nine quid and go north. But I'm not buying him for, as I've said, I'm kind of banging it's the drum here. But you know what I mean. This is self-fulfilling pro- prophecy, really, that everyone's exactly. going on about. It's going to be the exact same as Messi. We've just seen Messi hit well, like three hundred and something the other day. I wasn't actually watching too closely, but it was it was three hundred plus or whatever. And Messi's Messi's up to like thirty three percent or something. Yeah. Um, over what about a month or so now obviously that ties into the the dividend increase um and if you look at it on straight things he's up 33 percent, but the dividends are up 57 percent. i don't think it's the direct comparison but a lot of people seem to want to think like that mm. um so if you look at neymar one you need to get back on the pitch and playing um my only issue is if he doesn't perform then one he kind of loses his appeal as a media hold mm. um as such and then I guess he'll obviously lose his PB. Um, the, the single name of the media is obviously a big thing as well. It helps, like, if you look at the likes to say Jaden Sancho, just because I've already mentioned him, like, that's a lot of media people just say Sancho misses out on or Sancho does this, Sancho nutmeg, do you know? Yeah. Whereas he won't get that because he's Jaden Sancho. So it's kind of that single I can't, name. I can't see that changing either. I think a lot of people have been sort of lobbying for that to change. Um, I'm not saying I don't want it to change. I'm just saying I don't think it will, at yeah. least for the first year. Maybe at the end of the season, um, they might just slip it in before the Euros when there's a bit of focus elsewhere. Yeah. But um, I, I don't see that changing for the first year. And I think it was, I think it was GMK that was talking the other week, and he was he's very against the this sort of media dominance by the Express and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it, it doesn't mean you've got to buy Neymar. Yeah. Um, it just means that there's a there's a good chance that he's going to win media over someone who's not got one name. Yeah. And that's out into his price. You know what I mean? That's just how prices work. Exactly. That's how it is. Like, it is what it is. You have to you have to adapt and move on. Move on. Um, he is £8 for a reason. There is there is a reason because there's, there is such a good dividend platform for him to, to build on, assuming he can get fit. Um, but like you say, he's not going to be one of my huge holds because I think a lot of money, or I'm predicting a lot of money to shift um, into sort of players who are going to be either have breakout Euro campaigns or players who are going to be sort of in their prime at the Euros. I think there's going to be a lot of people focusing on that. Well, I was actually, 
like I made a completely wrong prediction. I think in the like the literally the night of the announcement during the like little it was meant to be half an hour no trading. It was about twenty four minutes for me. In that twenty four minutes, I thought I was acting like the guru. Do you know, go on Twitter, get a bit of engagement here. We'll see what happens. Threw it out there, basically saying something along the lines of, like, don't necessarily look to like the big, well known, obvious candidates for your money here where the real rises will be over the next few weeks are in those players that are slightly under the radar, but who also post PB scores. And I thought, yeah, like that makes sense. You know, like everyone's going to go and buy your KDBs and your Pianiches and everyone, which I did, thankfully before the market suspended. I'm <laughs> like a cheating person. But um, I was going to say cheating B word, but I said person. So um, yeah, I avoided one there. But the... I thought then what will happen is over the coming weeks when people get more money to put in, they're going to like, then they will think about the likes of, I don't know, name anyone under 250 or under three quid. And I was wrong. Basically, they've all just kept going at the top. That's where everyone put their money in this week anyway. I don't really, I don't disagree with what you're saying at all. I think it would just take a while for mm. the market to catch up. So there's, there is players who have PB potential. I mean, the matrix hasn't changed. So the players have the same chance of winning. It's just now they have an increased payout when they win. Yeah. So there is still all these viable holds that are down the bottom of the market. It's just at, at the moment, people are looking for the big hitters who are going to return early. And that's that's where the money's going right now. Again, it's another trend of the market. Um, we see it sort of... A lot of people sort of think it was a bit earlier than uh, what it was. A lot of people say it's like January time, the PB holds, the money starts coming out of them. Um. Obviously, now we have a European competition, so it's not going to be the same. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, a lot of a lot of these PB holds at the top, they are going to have a lot of money sort of still put into them at this time. Yeah. It's. Do you know who's actually made my port this week? Do you know for the first time who's joined my portfolio? Maybe the second time. Um, Harry Kane. I didn't realise just how incredible he was for dividends now this sounds like a massive pump go and do your own research lads you know the story with the podcast i'm going to mention people i think the difference about this one is everyone knows about hurricane yeah 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 <laughs> you know i mean no you're secret. not you don't have to pump him it's, it's more talking facts you know what yeah I mean? but like i actually didn't realize just how many dividends and stuff he won like because I, I gave him a quick search um, when I seen that he was still only 536 because i remember owning him like three or four or five months ago and then being like a fiver so mm. it's kind of like he hasn't really risen that much in the past few months and the dividends have yeah. been upped. And, and then I went and looked at him and his top five scores from well, well, the top four are impressive anyway of this season, 277, 260, 236, 223, and then it's a 157. From a forward, like in Spurs, who you haven't exactly been setting the world on fire, do you know? And he's won media four first places and a third place. I don't know. I just kind of looked at that and was a bit shocked. I thought that, that that's quite a lot of dividends, no? I didn't even notice that, to be honest. Um, Three he's, position he's wins those, as well. Like He's one of those players who just sort of, we all know about him. It's the same as um, a lot of people have been saying about Jamie Vardy recently. We all know about him. We all know what he does. Yeah. The, the Premier League is so publicised that we all know about these players. It's just they kind of quietly go about their business. Um, Vardy less so because he gets like four touches a game. But he scores with two of them. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Kane, Kane gets involved in the build-up, England captain, possible big transfer to Man United. There's a lot that he's got going for him. Um, I could definitely see him being someone by the Euros if England go and have like a great campaign. 
and he's the main man. You know what I mean? He could he could be right up there. But that, that's what I mean, like, because I've always kind of looked at Kane and been like, well, like, he's never going to be, I, I've never thought he's never going to be, but, you know, like, Raheem Sterling, for me, is, like, the golden boy who I've always, not always, but for, like, the solid last six months, held and, and said, yeah, he's going to be one of the, the king of the index one day. I don't know if mm. I still stand by that, but I still think he's a great hold. I looked like an absolute hero because I'd written something for someone's, like, newsletter or something, the FI newsletter or something, and it was, like, the week before pre- the season. I was given out since Sterling was the best thing since sliced bread, and he went and scored hat trick, <laughs> and uh, I looked like a hero. And then he kind of disappeared a bit, but he still scored something like thirteen and fourteen games or something. But well, I think I'm digressing a bit there. I think um, Harry Kane, like, yes, he does have that potential big transfer. He does have the Euros being captain. Do you know there there, there are things there, and he is only twenty six. It's not like he's twenty nine or thirty. Exactly. I think like if if he goes into the Euros being twenty six, twenty seven, it means he's still got at least sort of four years at the top, like at, at literally the, the top level. And then you've got sort of two or three years where he's still gonna be a top class striker, but maybe not in the top three or four in the world. Mm. But at the same time, I, I feel so bad for my own portfolio. I feel like I have a sort of reverse bias against English players because I just sort of hate English football. I don't, I don't like any of them, and that's, I guess, just a trait of Scottish people. But I can't recall ever holding any big English player apart from I had like a really minor share in Sancho. Yeah, um, and even that I got rid of. So, um, I, I don't know. I wish I just kind of jumped on earlier because these are the players that at the time were expensive, but they were expensive for a reason. They were mm. winning media a lot. They were getting so much more attention, and anything they do in a big game. Um, I mean, it just it just rocketed their price to the point where even still, these big players, these Canes, you could see Kane going to seven pound seven pound after the Euros pretty feasibly. That's like nearly fifty percent for his price. That's still such a huge amount of growth that is possibly in him. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think that's unrealistic with the media draw with the PB scores. Like, if he goes and wins a couple of goal days, like forward, do you know that's that's not a that's not impossible to win the forward eight pence. And then, like, I mean, the star man, I mean, it would be tough for a forward to win it. But, I mean, it's not undoable if he goes and bangs in a even, hat-trick and gets the winner. Even but, if like, he's top forward, what did you say? He's won three positional this season already. Three positional. I don't know if they were single days. Well, sorry, bronze days, silver days, or gold days. But, um, yeah, it's just in the Oh, in the oh right, okay. Here. I didn't realise it didn't um, split them down. But He's won 11 pence. Spurs. 11 pence, three position and one star. Yeah, Spurs do tend to sort of play on like the weekend days, so you are looking at sort of double and treble days, mm-hmm. and then if they can get further in European competition. Yeah, but even like yeah, exactly like I don't know what, what was the there was a cricket score put past someone by England recently. Was it like a five nil or a six nil or something? I don't know that that could have been. I don't know if uh, Indexky and incorporate the international fixtures oh that's a good point yeah but, i, I mean it that. could be the 277 but i'm not sure anyway we kind of went off on an english football round there <laughs> but um 95 percent of the listeners are english so you go lads oh, uh, well, there you go um what else like the dividend announcement the whole new thing the announcement the statement from adam cole the new dividend structure what are your thoughts are you happy with it i'd be surprised it's exciting isn't it yeah. let's let's not be around the bush it is exciting um i remember sort of when I first came on, and thinking these yields aren't, they're not bad. Somebody like Pogba ended up having a huge yield because he fell out with Josie and then had the resurgence in form. So 
he had a huge yield, but a lot of variables had to fall into place for that to happen. Um, yeah. And I think it was Jay last week saying that you can go and make 10% in the bank or whatever, and stuff like that. And I was like, 10% yield isn't awful. Like, it's, I think it's pretty good. You'd be happy to make 10% on all your players, and that's that's pretty conservative in the current state of the market. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think if you look at the structure itself, we've seen a lot of sort of trading for single days over the last couple of months. I don't know if you've really noticed. Oh, it's been, yeah, it's been a huge trend. Everyone looking out for single match days. I've done it myself. Single match days. Um, who has, that's maybe where the sort of PB averages come in. A lot of people, I mean, we had Max Arnold gate, um, <laughs> which sort of <laughs> tore apart Twitter. Yeah. Um, so his, his average got brought into it there. And yeah, that's, that is, good for a single day because you tend to see it where maybe somebody with 130 or 140 will win the single day um, and that might just be on a base score alone but now going forward you look at single days haven't really changed they've got an extra one pence for media and an extra one pence for Starman whereas you start to look at the I keep saying single double treble but like anyone who's been on the index longer than sort of six months it'll take a while to sort of correct mm. um, but yeah sorry bronze silver and gold um, bronze days just don't look quite as lucrative anymore. They look like maybe bronze days are the bonus if you've got a player playing a midweek game as well as a weekend game. Yeah. Um, but now you've got to be looking at who can realistically win PB on a on a gold day, or are there some sort of five or six game silver days that benefit a few players? I think that's where a lot of trading is going to be focused in the next sort of maybe between now and Christmas. I would say people with those maybe high peak scores that have a lot of big days exactly um, and you're starting to get congested fixtures you're starting to get to the end of the european competitions uh and you're going to start getting sort of everybody playing midweek games and then playing again at the weekend and then midweek um there even be sort of i don't know if there'll be as much trading for i don't know if you noticed like the carabao cup and stuff people go mad even though you can't win anything really yeah 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 prices seem to go mad so i don't think there'll be as much of that i think it will be focused on I think fixtures will be a good place to look, but at the same time, it will be looking more towards who can realistically win on a gold or silver day. Yeah, because I mean to put it into perspective here, like the bronze day has risen by twenty two percent, the silver day has risen by I think that like I took a screenshot and it's very blurry. It's either forty six or forty eight percent. I think it's forty six percent, and the gold match day has risen by eighty four percent. So do you know like just. Just showing you like where the values go, and they've added a lot of value to those bigger days, and that the single or bronze match days just aren't this don't have the same draws. Maybe they did. Um, exactly. Like I said, I think once the fixtures get congested, it might be a bonus. Like you might have Pjanic on a Sunday he's playing, and then he ends up having a, a Wednesday game either in the Champions League or they might have a league fixture that they've missed because the fixtures got congested, and that will just be a sort of bonus. You go, oh well, he's got a really good chance of winning that but it's still only going to bring in sort of your two pence a share or mm. the two pence for Starman. And then you look, oh, but he's got an easy game at the weekend at home. He's got a big chance of hitting a sort of 200 plus. And then you've got the scope to go and win the 8p, maybe even 16. And that's where the big returns are. You know, can you imagine, right? I'm actually really, really excited for the, the big like Starman, the first Starman I get, like because I don't really hold much more than, like the most of anyone I hold might be like 300 futures, but most of the people I hold, if they're like, premium ish might be 150 max just based on bankroll but like 150 and like you're used to getting those wee 3p dividends here maybe a wee 5p there you know 
and whatever mm-hmm. say that's 150 times 5p what's that like 750 or something yeah. into your account like that's a nice dividend win for me but if that's like 16p and it comes in for someone who I have 150 shares of like that'll be like a substantial amount of money <laughs> into the account that I'm just not used to I'm very excited yeah, for it um, I think that the first sort of the first gold day star man the market is just going to go apeshit tomorrow oh. it's tomorrow is it <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think it is. I just swore. So, oh, yeah, we better cover be... that, will we? There you go. So, uh, for everyone listening, Ross has kindly said, for every time I curse, he'll jump in and match me, as well. There's a few of you listening, and thanks very much. But every time he curses as well, he's going to throw in an extra quid. So, that's one to Ross. You keep a tally of that? Yeah, I will. <laughs> I think I've avoided it so far. Yeah, I think you have. I, don't, I haven't heard anything. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good stuff and fair play to you for jumping in it's uh it's uh, do you know what there's a few lads who've jumped in already i think we're probably up around the 100 quid mark any uh sorry can you remind me what the, the charity was john just don't actually know so like i'm gonna vote like to maybe take a vote on this with um i don't know either the wider community or just like talked put a group together of the lads who've done it um yeah and obviously involve you with that as you're donating but there's a few things i'm thinking so the first one i'm thinking is we either just pick a charity at the end of the year and donate all the money and that's that it'll probably be a few hundred quid by then yeah or we pick a couple of charities and do the same or what i was thinking might be an interesting kind of different thing to do is take the money and i'll keep it in like a pot and obviously be very transparent with it and anytime someone i see from the football index community is fundraising for running a marathon or puts up a just giving page donate to the people in the community who are doing things to, to their charities do you know i like that yeah that's, that that's, is a good idea. A, that's like a double whammy um <laughs> i'm not gonna lie when you say to keep it in a pot i thought you were gonna say put it into a player <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah put it into a player and see how it is next year then give it to charity no i could do that but i think i've kind of said we'll donate it at the end of the year so i think that's the right thing to do but i know it would, i think that's definitely the right thing to do it wouldn't necessarily be donating at the end of the year it would be donating as and when people put up just giving pages but to the people who've donated i'd be very transparent and let them know how much is there and they'd be able to see the donation amount going in so um that'd be that but that's yeah fair. if anyone wants to jump in on it i mean look a lot of the lads have said a quid which is quite a big undertaking if you want to jump in for an episode if you want to jump in for a specific swear word if you want to jump in for as little as 10p per swear word or whatever every little helps i'm just thinking it'd be nice to have a little bit of a pot there and i think that might actually be what we'll go for give it back to people who are fundraising in the community for worthwhile causes but yeah there you go that's the swear thing what else is there to talk about something that's pretty topical um that I don't know if it's blown over by Monday. We're recording on a Friday night for everyone listening. Is this Bash the Bookies Pump and Dump Group? Yes, it's a bit of a controversial topic. Isn't and it? I think the word I used on Twitter was disgusting. Um, and I guess there's a few reasons for that. It is disgusting. The fact that people feel like they need to take advantage of new people onto the platform in such a booming market that there's literally no need. If you put in a bit of time and effort into actually researching some players um, and you sit on your holds, you should be able to make money no problem in the current state as long as as long as long you take your time and, and you know what you're looking for. Um, whereas tonight's pump seems to be a, a lad from Wolfsburg. I think his name is Felix Udekai. And from what I can tell, the group has said that everyone needs to get on cheap and then we've got a good chance of making money 
further down the line. And all these people will be thinking, oh, this this works exactly like a, let's let's just say one of the tipsters puts on like a 25 to a £1,000 thing. And the tagline seems to be, right, everyone get on early, blah, blah, blah. And they'll put £25 on their bet and then they'll try and get it to a £1,000. Yeah. But I think what they forget about football index is when you essentially make a bet, buy a player at X price, you need to you need to, other people to keep buying to raise the price. That's pretty obvious. And all these people are doing are sitting on the sitting on massive shareholdings, and when it gets to a certain point, just instant selling them off. They like what seems to have happened here is like I I've just I was talked to Mister Sweet FA on Twitter who seemed to call out a lot of the he seemed to be pretty I don't know the big guy who was calling everyone out do you know or for it do you know what I mean? he was the one yeah. what am I trying to say here John you're trying to say he was the ringleader in basically finding this bash the boogies people and doing a bit of digging and calling them out is and what I'm trying to say. Um, there's obviously some tool who looks like a wee screw bag in his photo called James Collins. <laughs> James, if you're listening, fuck you. There's a quid. Second, <laughs> sorry, Ross. Sorry, I feel like everyone. we should take a quid for a screw bag. <laughs> ah, screw bag's questionable. You'd, you could say that in front of like an eight year old, and you wouldn't feel too bad. No, maybe you would feel bad, would you? <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? Um, ah, if you're a wee eight year old, scrote bag might be quite extreme. <laughs> it's it's charity, isn't it? Okay, and you just cursed against. So you need to put a quid into your pot. Hard luck, oh, that's it, oh, right, okay. <laughs> there you go. And I've got a match here too as well. So there that's you go. it, yeah. Um let me see. So yeah, there's there's James Collins, the wee S bag with his finger up on his dodgy little <laughs> man bag on and a wee like hat on and yeah, he just looks like a proper I won't say it again because I can't be arsed put more money in, but you know what he is. Um I'm gonna be skinned. <laughs> I know, exactly. I'm thinking of you as much as me. Um but yeah, so so they, he obviously has this little group, and he's charging people for the the tips and whatever. Maybe maybe he's a good punter. Maybe he does a bit of research. To me, he looks like an opportunistic entrepreneurial little scrub bag. I did it again. Sorry, Ross, you don't have to match that match that one if you don't want. That's just me getting carried away. Um, so he is basically he does not care about anyone on football index i'd say he does it i don't think he actually has a portfolio and trades regularly i think this is the type of opportunistic little person who just sees an opportunity and takes it and you know what you can say fair play for taking the opportunity but if it was against someone like paddy parr or if it was against a major corporation but you're not you're literally robbing out of beginner traders pockets is what you're doing exactly and it's so wrong it's incredible but um i I think um mr sweet fa basically reached out to him and your man said a lot of expletives back at him and wasn't particularly happy with him but yeah look i suppose football index just like oh oh, we can we can rant and rave about it but what needs to happen is they need to actually act on on it and try and do as much research as possible but i suppose it could be tough for them if this little guy james gives a wrong name they need to come out they need to come out with a statement there's been a little bit too much of this recently yeah, um, they need to come out with a statement and just back up what their terms and conditions say they're going to do. They need to ban people like this from the platform because, in in the long term, it hurts the product and it hurts new users coming in. Yeah, a lot of people maybe get on these twenty five to a thousand pound tips from tipsters, right? Because it's easy; someone else is doing it for you, and it's against, like you say, it's against one of the big bookies. So. It, it doesn't hurt when you're taking money off them and it's not you're not manipulating anything whereas this is essentially manipulating the market mm. to make a quick gain for himself as opposed to putting in a bit of effort like everybody else does and yeah. making money fairly because of the state of the market currently 
it's it's market manipulation at, at its low level. So I think it's really poor poor form. Um, and I think FI should come out and be vocal, give us some comms and say what they're going to do about this. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I feel for FI as well, to an extent. Um, now, I don't have I don't have enough knowledge about maybe their historical actions when things like this happen or how they act. But, I mean, it's a, I'd say it's a hard enough thing to police initially, and it's hard to decide who are the pumper dumpers and who are just beginners. And, like, if someone's just began the platform, sees the trending list, which I've ranted about and everyone's ranted about, and this is why you need to get rid of it, Football Index, if any of your employees listen. Agreed. Because... Like, you look at that, even now, the trend list, he's number two in the trend list. Still, they've reduced his spread to a penny. Thanks, lads. That's great. That is actually good. But that means you're aware of it. Take him off the trending list. It can't be that hard. It also means that the damage is done. You know what I mean? The damage is done. And this kid, this Felix Adokai, or Adokai, whatever it is, in the last, so, like, he sat stagnant for a long time. Um, Like, six months bouncing between 34p and, what, 37p. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... All of a sudden, in the last three days, you can actually look, if you look at the graph, that's what I'm looking at. In the last seven days, so it was nothing happened for four days. Sat at 41p. Then you can see where the little the, the little man and his couple of close friends or whatever stocked up on this player. And he jumped by from 39p up to, you know, he's approaching that kind of 43 pence mark, whatever. That's as many as they probably bought. I'll just jump and in. And say, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know if... He maybe hit an actually okay PB score recently. Oh, did he? I, oh, God. I, I, I don't know. Um, he's currently playing for Augsburg, and I don't know if he's maybe on loan there. But on the face of it, he's not actually an, like a terrible hold. Um, he's 22, um, and he's played quite a lot of minutes in the Bundesliga this season. As yeah, a well, he, he, hit a one, he hit a 141. 141. I feel like, was, yeah. it, was it on a Saturday, or was it on like a, a sort of midweek I, game? I have no idea. Do you know what? The thing that might have happened here is then that they seen the opportunity that okay he is pumpable and people will buy it. It's not a Kalen Hines. It's not a complete. It was nobody. It's it was Wednesday, believable. I think. Well, then maybe there there is a bit of a basis to it, but I still think that has been preyed on and shot him up to whatever he went to near seventy p. Now he's at fifty seven p with the one p spread, 100%. which is great if any of the pumpers are still holding them, which I doubt. But it's inevitably burned a lot of new traders. That's the problem. Now they've put a one p spread on, which is fine because they're going to stop anything else from being sold off. But who do you think's holding between fifty and fifty seven p? Or I think he was up as high as sixty. Who do you think's holding in that bracket? It's going to be people who have got on last. Exactly. It's not going to be the pumpers themselves. They'll have got out probably. At about fifty p, on the way. It's up. probably they've they've seen well, if he's went from forty to fifty. You know what I mean? They probably went right there. You go. There's your quick, twenty uh, percent or you know, yeah, twenty five percent. We'll just get out now, um, and then it leaves the people at the top. Now they'll be stuck with a player who, on the face of it, they haven't lost anything because he's fifty seven p, and they might have bought him for fifty five. But he's now got a like a one p instance on him, and nobody's going to be buying him yeah. because of the circumstances. So you're literally stuck with a hold. Plot twist, right? Here's what we need. We need all the the people who took advantage and who have hopefully sold their their well hopefully they're actually stuck but let's say they all sold and let's say the beginners got stuck. Imagine he went and shot like a two twenty tomorrow and won the gold day. Or <laughs> <laughs> Eight pence for defender like that. Hashtag be... justice for Felix. <laughs> Hashtag justice. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
I can't see it happening. But I mean, yeah, no, you're right. He wasn't just as bad as I was making him out to be, but he was staggering for a long time. Maybe he did that midweek and he went up by a few pence, and then they seen their opportunity pounced and up he up he goes. Exactly. You can kind of see what the, the what the possible template layout would have been. It might have been something like he's just scored a one forty something. Yeah. And then people are like, oh, one forty, that's quite good. Yeah, exactly. And then there you go. The thing as well is like I think these people doing these pumpy dump things now, um, they're smart enough to know that if they pick a twelve P player who's a Mexican thirty seven year old who retired last <laughs> year, they know that people will catch them very quickly. They might feel something like this could go a bit more under the radar and be a bit more believable and maybe get a few more bites from beginners um and be more profitable. Yeah. Um but yeah. Stay safe totally out there, fun. folks. Yeah, don't follow tipsters. Yeah, and if you're a new listener and this seemed like a yeah, like you didn't really know what this was about, and we highlighted it for you, just really watch out for it. Go and have a look around Twitter, ask questions if you're stuck, and uh, yeah, just don't believe anyone basically. Um, and another thing is, if you're a beginner, go scroll up the episodes. I think it was around seven or eight. There's a bonus guide thing there, like a beginner's guide. You should have a listen of. There's a little plug for myself. We'll move on um, very briefly, just in case you have any thoughts on the topic, because it's obviously a big topic. IPOs, have you any real thoughts or do you not really care? IPOs, oh, I, I hate the saying IPOs are the lifeblood of the index. It's just, it seems cliche now. Big AC um, said they aren't. Big AC says <laughs> dividends are, so. I mean, I think IPOs could be great, but um, something that, I, I can't remember who it was, it was either on here or on, uh, on Fig's podcast or whatever, they were talking about sort of mandatory holding days, which is, I mean, it's standard in IPOs and and stock markets. You have to hold them for a certain amount of time before you're able to then offload them. So first of all, what it does, if you say you've got a holding period in ninety days, well, you know that your money's locked in for ninety days at at the minimum. You might be buying them because you think they're a really good player, um, but you're locked in for ninety days. And then what it will do, it will stop people trying to flip them straight away, which happens every single time. Oh, yeah, I've done it. Like, I've done it because... Oh, it's definitely feasible. It's it's 100% feasible. Yeah. Like, but it's the exact same as what we were just talking about. It's, it's somebody getting on low and then flipping high, which I guess is your point of any trade. But at the same time, they're only doing it because they know it's going to have a rise, not because they think the player is good value. Exactly. Because they think... Like, I don't think i don't know how i feel about it in terms of i don't think there's anything wrong with it because you're just playing the market you're just doing i don't know i know it's not great but i mean we're all here to make money and the the, the only times i've done it and i'd be fair to you it hasn't been particularly profitable for me i think in all in all i might have made like 20 quid but what's happened is where i have went to buy a player that i really was interested in like so the 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 only ipo thing that i ever had any success with was troy parrot and takafasa kubo that drop i got both of them and they were who i was there for so i was kind of typing into my research bar like troy back 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 kubo back 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 and then like uh was it everton suarez or something who I didn't really give a shit yeah, about yeah. or want to hold, but I was just searching him because I was like, look, if, if he comes up, I may as well buy some. So I bought some and sold them and made like 20 quid. But yeah. there's a lot of people who purely do it for that and don't actually want anyone. Not, I'm not trying to say I'm better than the person who does it. I, I'm a scumbag. I did it as well. But like, <laughs> it's just, it's not a perfect system and it's, it's completely flawed exactly. and you can very easily legislate against it. 
I think I think what I was saying there about the the minimum hold it, it works twofold um, in helping IPOs because it means you can't flip. Um, it, it literally takes away the possibility to flip, and therefore flippers won't inflate the price to a point where the player is no longer value. So the people that you'll see buying into IPOs are people who actually want to buy the players. Um, so like you're saying about IPOs, I don't, I've not got involved because the system's pretty poor. So the only player I did was Tonali, and that was when it, they weren't doing any kind of mass stuff, but they were putting on sort of one IPO lot a week. And he just kind of stood out to me. And he did rise quite quickly, but not to the point. There wasn't the market cap that there is now where so many people can get on so quickly and a player can inflate from like £1 to sort of £1.80. That's, that's a huge rise to start with. So yeah, it, it works two ways. It stops people from flipping and it also sort of auto-regulates to the point where it's only people who actually want to buy the player to hold. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely ways they can do it where people feel a bit more fairly treated and in terms of... I don't know. I've talked about this a few times in the podcast and I've always said I don't really know, but even like um, having it where, like what you've said, or you can have it where it's a bidding system so that you can't just get someone who you think's worth two quid at 120 because you'll have to bid appropriately. I don't even know how that works. There's just a million ways. And I think they're completely aware of the flawed system, but I think they're in a position now where they can't really change it and they're prioritizing other things and they're just going to let it be. But if that's the case, I think the best thing to do is probably just Draft four hundred players in a week. Yeah, if they're not gonna try and if they're not gonna put IPOs to the forefront, then it has to be tech. It just it has to be tech. Going forward, the tech is just so annoying at times. It really does hinder your like recently. I don't know why, but when you start filtering by more, my portfolio, it has all your worst scorers at the top now instead of your best. Don't know why this has started happening recently. It's just annoying. That's not great. There's a lot of little things that happen like that that just kind of are little annoying issues. Do you know and what's worse, actually... actually? I've just thought of it. When you're scrolling down the squad, for example, and you click on a player and you think, oh, actually, it. don't fancy it, and then it scrolls back to the top. Despise it, mate. Despise that. Literally, the worst. Th- it's the worst thing about Football Index. <laughs> do you know? And you know what? It sounds like you're being dramatic, but really, like it actually. Do you know what? And this isn't being dramatic. It probably hinders my trading. It probably hinders the money I make because quite often, and I've said it on the podcast before and I'd recommend it to anyone, lads, every so often, go onto the squad list, scroll down to about 60p and just keep scrolling and have a wee look. And if someone jumps out at you who you think, why is he down there? Have a sconce. And you'll go and you'll have a sconce and you'll click on them and you'll see whatever's happened with their price. And then you come back out and you'll be back at the top of the squad and you'll have to scroll down 500 players again. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I totally Killer. agree. It, it hinders me because I, I, I don't like using Football Index on my laptop because my laptop's a bit shite. Oh, I've done it again. Um, but yeah, don't really like using my, my laptop because it's slow and the website doesn't work very well. And yeah, so I've got to do it on my phone. I like to have a little scroll down the squad quite far as well. Um, yeah. I'm actually just doing it here. I was trying to see if there's anything that jumped out. I end end up just doing it on my laptop, which takes ages, and I just watch list all the players and then that I think might have a bit of value, and then I'll maybe give them a quick look on index game. Mm. I've not had had pro for a while now, but um, 
yeah, I'll maybe just have a quick look at what their PV average is, or more often than not, I'll just go to Sofa Score and see if they've got the sort of underlying stats that I'm looking for. Cause yeah. Through just sort of experience, I kind of know what I'm wanting in each position. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, I, I love doing it. I've said it where you go down, you have a wee sconce and you see, and there's always going to be someone here like, oh, worth looking into, might have slipped under the radar. Like who? Like I'll just go and give you an example for people listening. Like I'm have I'm not going to click into these because I won't get back to it. But like even if you hit sixty p here now, like I mean, there's Dusan Tadic. I mean, I don't know if he's had transfer links recently. I don't know what Ajax's prospects are in the Champions League. I don't think they're great, but like worth a look. Um, it's finding players like the guy Ontiveros. I think he plays for Villarreal or something now, and he was sitting. He was st- like scoring and assisting for Malaga, in the second division of Spain and he was sitting at 16p and he was like 22 years old and I was sitting looking at him and I was like ah, is he really going to get a move is mm. he going to stay at Malaga because they've got a good chance to come back up the league gets his move to Villarreal and he's now like 80p or something yeah, so he's went yeah. up fivefold that's um, yeah and it's, it's literally just looking for those players who maybe don't have the attention yeah um, like I'm just I'm gonna we'll move on from this very quickly, but I'm just looking because there's a few interesting ones pop out. I don't I don't have a clue. I'm not gonna click in again. There's probably something terrible that's happened. But Mahmoud Dahoud, I just remember him being really promising on FIFA like last year or the year before. He was like one of those <laughs> promising players. So playing for Borussia Dortmund, I don't know. But I would click into him and have a sconce, and you never know. There's that happened. Just one just one last one. I was about to say that exact same thing happened with uh, Predrag Rakovic. Yeah, playing for, the keeper. he's playing for Rem now, and I remember him being like literally the keeper to buy on Football Manager. I think it was like 2015. Yeah, and then I had a quick sconce, as you would say. Uh, had a quick look, and then seen that he had links to Monaco, mm. and he was I think he was 17p at the time. So I bought a few, and then he went up to like 22p, and then he kind of settled, and then eventually ended up getting his move, and I was like underwhelmed. I was like, oh, it's only to Rem. They're not really a a great team, and I think he hit like six clean sheets out of his first seven games or something daft. Yeah, I think I bought him at like 24p, sold him at like 32, and then he went and hit all the clean sheets like an idiot. Don't hold, but he is still definitely a solid hold. He yeah. has got a, a big future. But, like, but yeah, he he went he went totally sour, the same as someone like Telemans, who was so highly touted, they went off the boil, and now they're kind of back and yeah. prominent again. It yeah. happens. It happens, it does, and it's, like even, I'm just looking few names I'm going to throw it here down here. Like, this is why it's worth looking. I just know Costas Manola, Manolas. You know, he's Greek, but he plays for Napoli. He's a centre-back, and he's good on FIFA. Like, really good, one of the best centre-backs. So, I don't know if he has a move in him. I don't know if he's playing shade. I don't know if he's not a starter. I don't know. Timothy yep. Fosu-Mansa, Manchester United player, rel- relatively young, 55p. Do you know, I've worth... seen him pumped on Twitter the other day. Was he? Like, he's wor- yeah. like these are ones who you click into and have a sconce at. Keep saying, how many times exactly. have I said sconce? I should be play, paying every time I say that now. <laughs> but, um, I'm sure someone will pay out there. There's That's, I, I count six, I think. Yeah. I've said it once as well, so maybe seven. Jose Jimenez, like he's Atletico Madrid centre-back young. I know centre-backs aren't exactly flavour of the month, but I'm actually surprised I haven't done this in a while. Philip Billing, he's been doing well for Bournemouth recently. Like, mm. yeah, there, There's so much down there, but like you say, we've, we've kind of... Um, got away from the tech issue that started all this, but oh yeah, yeah. You're, you're down there, and this is what I like to do. I like to just have a scroll and see if there's anyone who tickles my fancy, and then I get really annoyed because it takes you back to the top, and it's just not worth the time that it ends up taking. Mm. Yeah, agreed. And that that was actually a question I wanted to ask you, and I think you've kind of answered it, but 
if you had to pick one of these for like the coming six months, would you like them to focus more on their tech or onboarding new users, like marketing? It's tough. It's um, it's I guess it's it's hard to say. Having a sort of, I guess we're sort of skewed because we're already on. Now, obviously, you need more new users to grow the market, but the market's already grown with the users it has, and I don't see market growth being a real issue. Whereas, uh, sorry, in the sort of next six months, anyway, um, I see the dividends carrying it quite far. Yeah. With even existing users, if they see, I don't know, um, someone who's like two pound returning the first sixteen p, and you think that's that's like eight percent or whatever of their total price in one one game. Mm. I think that's gonna that's gonna make a lot of money flow into those sort of players, um, and then so the market growth will be fine, I think, for the next six months. Whereas if you don't sort the tech, it's gonna stop bigger investors in the future coming in because they won't have time for sort of bad tech. And I think this has all been talked about a lot over a lot of podcasts. I'm not gonna go into any detail, but yeah, the Nasdaq stuff and the order books and all this, it's been sort of spoke about for a while. And it seems to have been put on the back burner. So it'd be nice again to have some comms from FI just to see what's going on. Yeah. It's like everything in life, though. Things take time. And I think it's very easy with, like, you've Twitter where everyone's tweeting away at a million miles a minute all day, every day. And I release a podcast every week and there's other podcasts. And all of a sudden, you've heard about, you've heard NASDAQ mentioned 17 times this week, whenever realistically <laughs> it was dropped, like it was mentioned a couple of months ago. And it's a, it was basically said time, like sometime twenty twenty. It's like look, it's going to take time. We can rant about it all we want in the meantime, but like they're doing their best, they're making it happen. Definitely, um, yep. But it is obviously a priority. But I think they they know that, and that's why the whole Nasdaq thing's happening, and they're they're trying to get their shit together. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's a swear. Ah, oh, shit! Isn't a swear? Is it not? Is it? I don't know. Anytime someone says, and I'm like, is it? You have to just say, yeah, it is. It's for charity, but. Like that that's maybe a Twitter poll. That's actually a Twitter poll, but I'm, I'm going to put one in. But for future episodes, I think that needs to be ironed out because I've probably said it quite a lot. That's fair. Uh, that's fair. Um, the lads here are committing money will be like getting all their friends and family to vote no. It's, it's a completely <laughs> fine word. Um, but anyway, uh, we go into some questions. And the first one I have here is from Dan Jackknife. He says, due to your prof- do you want to actually tell us what you do professionally first? Because a lot of these are based around what you do as a job, I think. Yeah, it's it's nothing really exciting. I'm I'm a tax accountant at the minute. Um so basically just doing tax returns. Tell <laughs> us more. It sounds so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even I don't want to try and talk it up because there's nothing to talk up. Um yeah. it's just a sort of it's it's a job for now. It's it's quite hard to get graduate jobs. Um yeah. so this was it's quite a big company in Scotland and then um, it will hopefully lead to some other stuff because I'm doing some further exams. So I'm going to have a few qualifications and stuff, which will hopefully open a few doors in the future. But for now, that's that's it. <laughs> yeah, let's hope your employer isn't listening and recognises your voice and knows you're just going to be leaving them in a few months. <laughs> but, um, anyway, Dan wants to know, due to your profession, do you feel that you are very risk adverse in terms of buying and selling or do you ditch your profession totally and go gung-ho on FI? Yeah, uh, so I think he kind of asked like a sort of two-pronged question. Um, I'll give you the second bit as well. well the second, second bit was quite odd, I thought. Yeah, he says, uh, I'm sure you have an eye for discrepancy. Do you feel FI have any? Yeah, I gave him a quick message about that, but we'll, I'll answer the first one first. Um, I wouldn't say I'm particularly risk averse. Um, at at the start, 
of my FI journey, which is like, I, I guess just coming up for a year now. I think it was maybe the 19th of November 2018. So in a few weeks, it will be a year. Um, and at the start, I didn't really know what I was doing. I just I pissed about a little bit too much. So basically, at the start, everyone was talking about diversifying. You've got to be diverse. And then basically that ended up with me having loads of holds that were sort of stagnant and I didn't really want them in my portfolio. Mm, um, yeah. Just for the sake of, oh, I think I should have a little piece of this pie and a little piece of the other thing. But um, as I went on, I've kind of I've started to put bigger sums into, uh, into less players. Um, players who I think I've been talking about sort of ticking a lot of boxes on Twitter. So I've been trying to look ahead of the game and think, does this player do what I want them to do for my portfolio? So I've been putting a lot more thought into it recently, but I wouldn't say I'm particularly risk averse, and I also wouldn't say I'm particularly mad either. Yeah, the the number of players in the portfolio is a question people always want the answer to, and I, it's a weird one. Like, I mean, I was like you whenever I first came on. I was like, oh, I have to diversify. That they always like if you look for advice on Twitter at the start, there was ever diversify, diversify, make your portfolio safer, risk, you know, and that's great. But like, I've in the first few months, I don't know, maybe I held like 50 players or something, but like now I have 20, 20. In fact, do you know what? I have actually only got, I'll tell you what I have just quickly. I don't know if you want to tell us what you have, but I have three players here that have just one share because I'm kind of watching them. One of them I bought today and it's already up a couple of pennies, but um, I've got two players that I'm selling my holding in. And the total players is twenty one, so I've probably only got about sixteen or seventeen actual players. Um, I've got what I would call dross, which is just rubbish at the bottom of the portfolio that I'm waiting. I'm not necessarily wanting to clear out at the moment, but I'm waiting for a time that's better to sell. Mm. So I've kind of done a bit of forward planning and thought, what's a good time to sell each player? So there's probably about I don't know, maybe ten or fifteen players who I'm sitting on just now that I'm wanting to get out of. Um, but I'm giving myself a sort of longer time span of that. I'm giving myself to the Euros. I've got 48 players currently, yeah. Um, and that's been trimmed down from probably about 80. Yeah, I would say over even like the last two months, it's probably been trimmed down from 80, 90 to 48. And I'm I can't see myself having more than sort of I think the max maybe like 40 by the Euros, but I'm probably looking to have closer to 35, 30 maybe. Yeah, you see, I just got sick of winning PB dividends and getting like a quid or two and yeah yeah i mean it's horse for courses i mean really it is whatever you're into i just prefer going a bit more balls deep in certain players exactly and i think you see a lot of the time people on twitter like they, they seem to be very interested about what other people's returns are for example mm. and these people who have the big returns are the people who are also not necessarily more risky but they are more aggressive yeah like i actually hadn't worked out my return since i joined um for a long time i don't keep spreadsheets i don't i just kind of look at the top of the football index thing to see how my current portfolio is doing but it really doesn't tell you how you've been doing in total but i, I looked at it there maybe last week and i'm up like something like 43 percent mm. in the year now to me i'm happy with that considering when i look at it as maybe 68 months of that where at the start when i only had a maybe 500 quid in it and it's only really in the summer and September maybe that I put a lot more money in. So I'm up. I think I'm in the exact same boat as you. Yeah. Um, so I think the most I ever had in was sort of like one and a half thousand or something, which like I I mean I'm a student. I don't have a lot of money, but um, at the time I thought 
oh yeah, that's that's quite a lot. But I still had a lot back in, in, in savings and wasn't doing anything with it. And I was like, seeing all these returns, I'm like, oh, I'm only sitting at sort of 8% or whatever. And I was like, 8% is great compared to what it was in the bank. But it was just, it was sort of over summer and and in the lead up to this dividend thing, I've really started to get aggressive. And I think I'm, I'll, I'll try and work out um, sort of after this what my return is on just the players that I bought in that period. And there's ones that haven't worked out. Like I, I went quite heavy on like Darder, the guy from Espanol, yeah. and he's dropped about 20% already. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't work out for every player, but that's the risk you take. One 20% down, somebody else is 50% up. Exactly. And it's it's all relative. So you're going to have some bad trades, but I don't necessarily think he's a bad trade. I just think there's a few variables that haven't sort of went his way yet. Like I think he might not be on set pieces anymore, which obviously takes away from value in the current matrix. Yeah. It's yeah, but I, I, we were kind of you were mentioning the ROI there and everyone's returns on Twitter and whatever, like and or Facebook or Instagram or wherever you you do your social media. But it's very hard to like trust what you see. It's very easy for someone to hold a player for. I'll put it this way: see if I bought the if I had just kept my portfolio from June and not altered it from the end of June, I have no doubt my little percentage thing at the top would say like four hundred percent. And that yeah. would completely skew everyone because in June I bought all Gomez, uh, like Alejandro Gomez, Brozovic, Sensei, uh, Parejo, Alexander Kolarov when he was like 30p. Yeah. I bought all these oh, he was on my high PB scores. And you know what? I just ended up, and I just, because it was my first summer, my first time doing that, I thought, do you know these one, they're all going to get their rises as the season starts. People will start looking at data in the summer and as of kickoff in the middle yep. of August, everyone will have already bought their PB players. That's not what happened at all. So I sold around then, which was insane. I bought back into most of them, but that's another that's another thing though. Uh, stuff like I sit and look at like uh, Eric Polgar and stuff like that, and I bought in at fifty seven p, and that was off the back of like a twenty percent rise. And I was like, oh, I got about like 74p after probably like a 50% rise. So you look at players then and you're like, you're hesitant to do it. And back then, and then I was hesitant to top up again. And now I'm sitting at a point where I've got like, I'm sitting at like 320% or something. And I've only got 100 shares. It's still, it's still a great trade, but it could have been like a really great trade. Yeah. And, and now I don't really want to buy into him too much because he's starting to get to a point where he's going to have to start returning dividends quite regularly. Uh, to justify his price and obviously he's Chilean so he's not going to have the Euros he's not he's maybe not going to have as much scope in summer but he might get another transfer but he has obviously just went to Fiorentina so I think that's kind of unlikely so he is at that price now yeah. where he's probably fairly priced if he can start returning some consistent dividends yeah I think he's a very exciting player I love I love those players do you know those kind of I don't know, just unexpected PB guys. Like, Pulgar is the prime example. Do you know, like, he's not a really... I literally knew nothing yeah. about him. Nothing about him before I came on Football know... Didn't know who he was. Yeah. And you find yourself, like, I don't know, talking to mates and stuff, and you talk about these players, maybe, and they're like, who? <laughs> Sensei, who's that? And they're the type of players that, if they got linked to Manchester United, the layman would be like, who on earth is that? We don't need Eric Pulgar. We need Gareth Bale. Do you know... Uh, if people just it's weird how much extra kind of knowledge of the game and how good people are at set plays and playmaking and this and that you have from football index isn't it i was about to say just about Sivanier. like yeah. he's someone who i literally knew nothing about and it's not just like being ignorant but i never really watched french football that much 
it's 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 quite good every time I have watched it. Like, I think I watched a, a PSG Leon game and it was like a midweek and Leon thrashed them and it was they played out of their skin. Mm. Um, but yeah, talking if you spoke to somebody about him, the only people that would maybe know, I think he maybe got like a few informs on FIFA. So people that play Ultimate Team might have known. Yeah. But apart from that, I don't think a lot of people would be able to say, oh yeah, he he's great for for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a weird one. I think I've kind of like said things and then went off on different random speeds a lot here. But I think what I was kind of saying there was about ROI. You see people on Twitter and stuff. Just be careful. Like take it with a pinch of salt. It's very easy to skew those results, and it's very hard to believe what you see. I mean, it's hard to know how well you should be performing. Sorry, John. I think that's what his second question was kind of leading on to. Um, because I did ask him on DM, I was like, what he meant by discrepancies, and he was kind of talking about the sort of the the numbers across the top, like the sort of twenty four hour seven day stuff. And to be honest, it's just something that I don't really pay much attention to. If if it's mm-hmm. down, I said. I said to him, as as far as I can remember, twenty four hours has been broken. Um, again, another tech issue, but I don't remember it ever being like accurate. Yeah. To this is what your twenty four hour rises or whatever. I think it just takes it at a point in time. Um, which I, I think if you look at that, then and you get all bummed up about those numbers, then you're not really looking at what the product's all about. Um, yeah, you just got to kind of swallow your ego in that way and just get on with what your your strategy is. It doesn't really matter unless you're Unless you're doing for capital appreciation, which I I don't really like that saying, um, but I guess some people do that and are successful, so I can't really say anything about it. Yeah, I think the thing on those numbers is there's so many different contributing factors, and I mean, enjoyment is a huge part of it for me. I said it before. Yep. Like, don't get me wrong, making money is enjoyable, but what is also enjoyable is having entertainment every single weekend, most midweek nights, every day with media. Do you know? There's a lot to be said for holding players that you mightn't feel will give you the best returns, but will give you like a lot of enjoyment. There's like an, almost like a graph you could draw with enjoyment on one side and profit on the other, and there'd be a wee line there. And you know, obviously, maximum profit and maximum enjoyment is great, but I mean, there's a balance is what I'm trying to get at. Do you know, I don't think it has to be all about buying who you think will give you the most like money back, even if you're never going to see them play in the play in the Dutch division. And yeah, do you know. Definitely, I think you look at that. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to talk about big investors because that's for a different podcast. <laughs> he um, who shall not be but... spoken about. <laughs> <laughs> there's enough talking there. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying I don't listen. I'm just saying there's a lot of spiel about big investors. But I think there is a sort of line where big investors will only get so involved because they don't actually have an interest in football. Um, you're not going to see a lot of people who don't. I guess stocks and shares are different because it's been established for such a long time now, mm. whereas Football Index is going to take a lot of time. And even even if you're presenting these people saying, look, here's someone with my portfolio and they've got 100% gain, yeah, um, there's, still, there's still people that are going to think, yeah, but it's about football. Yeah, and I don't care about football or know about it. I'm kind of having that trouble with the... Not tr- it's not trouble. Do you know, it's kind of one of those things where you want your friends to make money because you see how much money there is to be made here. But I know a guy probably isn't listening i'm not going to drop his name anyway so it doesn't matter he has a lot of money like a lot of money half a million kind of spec yeah in stocks mm. and shares um and i know the ones but i'm not going to name them but he it's his retirement plan and he's balls deep but he's a he's a very very like successful businessman and 
you know, his whole life isn't riding on it. It would just be nice to retire a bit early. Anyway, I digress about a random guy yeah. who no one knows. Yeah. I'm trying to get him to join. And it's just because <laughs> he's a very close friend. And I would really, like, when I say friend, it's almost like an uncle. And uh, I'd really like him to make yeah, some of yeah, this money. Yeah. And he is into football. He's big into Irish football. He goes to almost every Ireland game. Follows Man United, has since he was a boy. Follows the Premier League, plays fantasy football. So I thought he'd be the ideal candidate. But he's just so... Yeah dubious and i'm trying my best to be like mate it's legit trust me like there's so much money to me and that and giving him the whole spiel he's just so dubious so dubious and i sort of said look at least sign up stick the 50 quid and whatever get mine you 500 quid risk free see what happens see if you like it and he's still dubious i don't know if it's just the guy or if it's a lot of people in that position who kind of i don't know if it's snobbery from the stock share kind of background looking at this as gambling and kind of being like oh sort of bollocks do you know like that that's not as good as it sounds i think, I think you could be right yeah because i think there's a bit of an ego maybe with no no that's not necessarily true do you know but i think there there's a certain type of person who trades stocks and shares and you have to have conviction and you have to feel you're right and you have to i don't know maybe be confident in yourself maybe i'm completely wrong but i feel like it would be hard for someone like that yeah i think you're along the right lines in terms of a lot of the times with stocks and shares now, unless you want a really like sort of steady like couple of percent or whatever, you've got to go out and beat the market. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people aren't able to do that. And then I think a lot of people's pride might be dented if they put in money and they were beat by some little guy who likes he likes his football more than them. Mm. You know what I mean, it could be a sort of ego factor, but at the same time, um, I just think it's it's maybe just it could just be around the corner. You never know. The could, big investor could end up getting involved. Nasdaq's huge for that, but I think I think what I'm trying to get at, and I'm probably doing it in a really weird way, and I've never actually articulated this. I've never actually thought about it, but like I think it it might be a thing of the snobbery in terms of if you're the stock trader and like oh I'm the cool stock trader and I make money trading stocks and like Wolf of Wall Street <laughs> and whatever, and then you're like someone's trying to tell you to go oh, here, mate, come and join football index. Honestly, this is what I mean. Like oh no, like yeah, like that's a Ponzi scheme. I don't need your we charity. Do real stocks, yeah, like. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm sure there's a lot of really nice, non-egotistical, like nice trader guys. I'm sure you're not thing, all like Wolf yeah, of Wall Street, exactly. but I think the last thing I would say on that point is maybe, um, maybe, maybe sort of a logical point in a way. But obviously, the terms and conditions of football indexes that you can't manage someone else's money. And when you think about a lot of the big money in the stock market itself, will be managed by stuff like hedge funds and that. Yeah. So. I think until something's sort of done about that, you're not going to get the huge investors. You will get the big individual investors, um, as there there are some. But um, until until something gets done about that, then I guess we'll see. Yeah, don't even know where we started with that one, but yeah, it's done. Um, <laughs> I have proper. Do you know what this is? I don't know this podcast. I think I've rambled more than most others, but I think it's. I think most of it's kind of maybe made sense. That point was a little bit off the coughing a bit weird about people who trade but i think i was trying to get at how hard it is to convince someone like that because it's not the first person i've tried to convince a coherent ramble yeah he kind of looked down his nose at it and i've tried to like claw it out and be like no really mate there's money to be made they're just like nah and it's like look do you know what away you go yeah welsh fi currently in the same profession as yourself do you think coming from a finance accountancy background has helped and if so how nah not particularly, I don't think. Um, there'll be some transferable skills. Stuff like understanding risk, um, I guess is quite a big one because 
you know that I, I guess a lot of people know it's sort of common sense but you know that putting all your eggs in one basket isn't necessarily the best option because you might want to spread your risk hmm. and I guess that might not come naturally to just average Joe but I think a lot of people will sort of get that on the face of it but um, I don't know if I'd mentioned earlier or whatever but it is quite hard to sort of apply traditional market principles to FI it's just because you can't sort of it's, it is hard to to price a future because performance is, is so erratic sometimes in football um, things like injuries it, it, it's, it's really it's really complex I guess and so is the stock market that's why it's, people can still make money on it um, but yeah I wouldn't say it's it's helped me too much but I guess it gives you a nice sort of knowledge base to work from yeah it's definitely only a positive it's not a negative but maybe there aren't as many benefits as you'd expect say finance yeah, and exactly. it sounds like ooh money you know knows everything about money but like I mean it's a very I guess sort of people that work in finance sort of are more analytical in a way mm-hmm. which is good you're able to sort of wade through what seems like value and what's not but so are people who aren't from that background and maybe you see a lot of people who are from the background of betting who are much better at finding value than I would say someone like myself mm. because they know what to look for. Yeah, It's one of those like non it's, it's. I don't think football index is a very transferable skill. It's a, it's kind of like a little world of its own and it'd be the same as... It's why it's so good. Yeah. It, is, it is so unique. You can't really compare it, but it's, it's nice to try and mirror the actual stock market mm. to football index and just see the comparisons like um someone having a bad time of it although someone's out of form it's, it's the same sort of thing it, it works the same way and it's really it's a, it is a really cool concept like the thing I, that's why we're sitting talking about exactly it. exactly <laughs> i think with time maybe and once we reach that more established market maybe there might be more scope for like analytical um kind of trading and actually looking at patterns in the charts and where the support lies and what is, do you know, where you think you'll bounce and drawing little wedges and all these sort of things. I think there'll be a bit more scope for that, but I think for now it's just such a fundamental market in terms of it's all about news, it's all about transfers, it's all about form, it's all, do you know, I don't think the charts really can do much um, and that's probably exactly. the big difference from maybe actual trading stock markets because they kind of have I think that elements. gives you good perspective just sort of like the last point and I won't I'll, I'll try not to go too far away but it gives you perspective for the scope of the actual market itself if we are saying you can you can still make these great returns based on what is essentially quite common knowledge mm. um to a point if uh stuff like a share being priced incorrectly the theory says that the market's going to catch up pretty much instantaneously um because to knowledge that's available to everyone whereas in fi if you actually dig quite deep like we were saying earlier with the squad players if you dig quite deep and you go oh this guy's maybe not played for a while because he's been injured and he's going to come back and be a key component in his team and you can make a huge return off that which is essentially common knowledge yeah but because you've put in the time and effort it's you've you've made it into something else so i think it shows you the kind of scope that i feel like that's miles away before we're going to have to look at just analytics to start getting an edge, which is really positive, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, very quick thing to digress because there's a load of questions here. I'm just keep digressing. But look, that's life, yep. that's podcasting. Uh, the injury you mentioned there, like looking ahead with injuries. Injuries are class. And I have no, that, this goes back to that kind of enjoyment slash profit graph that I was on about. I have no doubt I could make more profit with injury trading because I've done it and I've made a lot of money doing it. But 
I don't have it in me to just sit with a player who's on the bench for three months and that be my portfolio. I have to have those guys here in the chance of winning PB. I agree. And that's just me. But there's people who make a lot more money than me who just don't care about football. So I think being detached from football could also be an advantage in some ways. Definitely. I agree in terms of you can sit on your 10% and you can keep compounding that 10%. But I think what someone like you or I would prefer was maybe if a player was injured, look at where they were before. Um, someone who I don't hold, but just off the top of my head is Jonas Hoffman, the guy from uh, Marching Gladbach. Um, he's the player who was injured for, I think, about three months. He hit a massive score last year, I remember. It was like, I'm sure touching 300 pre-Matrix. So it was a, it was a huge score. Um, and then he kind of fell away and he got injured and stuff and he went way back down in price and he started to come back up. But he's the kind of guy that I would maybe look at when he's injured and go, I want to hold him, but not just for the 10%. I want to hold him because I feel like he's a good mm. PB hold. Like he's viable past his injury as opposed to just collecting a quick 10% because he was injured. And yeah. Was like I mentioned with Jay Hall, man, last week we, we'd be on a fantasy football thing. And I think the two players that we made a lot of money on were him and Pellegrini. We had Hoffman and we jumped off and then we got Pellegrini. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's it's injuries are great. But we'll get on to more questions. Filthy index. We'll try and rattle a few out here. Are you in any rush to get away? No, not at all, mate. But uh, yeah, let's, let's go for it. Yeah. We'll rattle a few of these out because I keep talking absolute nonsense and I'm going to try and keep it on track now. Uh, Filthy Index, with the new dividend structure and the delayed announcement of the next set of IPOs, do you think FI are planning on adding more players than ever to the index? In brackets then, increase dividends as it'll be harder to win more players available. I think this has been thrown about there a good bit now where basically people are saying they've upped the dividends so much to compensate for the fact that there's going to be so many more players there who can win them. Yeah, exactly. Um, Good question. I would say you'd have to kind of split into two. Um, do you think FI are planning on adding more players than ever to the index? Yes, uh, I think would be the answer to that. When you look at the amount of players who um, are actually not on the index but could have won PB, um, I can't remember who it was I was talking to on DM. I think it might have been Buzz and Paul. And he said that for one of the Europa games that none of the players who actually took the dividends would have won. Um, if all the players were available on football index, so when you look at it in that sort of in that vacuum, in that one isolated incident, um, is it going to change the bets? Yes, I guess. But I think when you look at overall, you're not going to get someone who is maybe 50p coming on. Let's just say someone um, comes on at 50p, they'll be priced that way because they won't be likely to win on your gold days. It's not going to affect this, your sort of, like, say you've got Tony Cross or something. You're not going to be worried about your bet being changed, I would say, materially by the IPOs coming on. Yeah, because there's no one really big enough yet. I mean, you could argue the likes of, is it Fatty or is it Camavinga? I don't know. I'm thinking of a few big players or like Tomori for Chelsea. I mean, these are big players that could maybe compete for PB some days. I don't know. But I know what you're saying. I don't think, like, there's no Kevin De Bruyne who isn't there. There's no. Aguero, who isn't on the index, you know, all the big established players are there who are sticking in PB scores, but I'm sure exactly. it would obviously alter it a bit, but maybe it wouldn't alter it as much as people think. I exactly. Know. I think it was last week where Jay was talking about Belford, though. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of hype about him when he was scoring a lot of goals. And you look at him now and he's basically IPO price because he's not done anything since. Um, and that was something that at the time he might have ended up winning. Um, he might have ended up winning dividends. He would have certainly been a decent uh, IPD hold. Um, and now circumstances have changed to the point where 
he's probably not very desirable anymore. Um, not to put him down, if you hold him, then uh, that was just the first player that came to mind because he was spoke about last week. But yeah, no, no it, reverse pump away. Reverse pump. Away. <laughs> reverse pump. <laughs> oh no, not us again. <laughs> reverse pump gate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's been too many gates recently. <laughs> but um, yeah, at the time he might have actually materially changed a couple of bets if he had like a really good sort of double day, or say he just scored a hat trick. You've seen it before with someone like Finn Bogerson. He's quite cheap. And he's won on a uh, what was a treble day. He's won that before. Yeah. He's, I think he scored three or four for Augsburg. Um, so in in the short term, it might change a couple of bets. In the long term, the big hitters are still going to be the big hitters. Um, the IPOs aren't going to do too much. Or they're not going to have too much impact. Um, and I think, again, when you look at someone like uh, Kamavinga, for, for instance, he's... He's got so much hype, but it's only because he's 16 um, and he's playing in the top flight of France. It's not because he's got these unbelievable underlying stats that are going to sweep yeah. dividends away from everybody else. I can still see him being probably three, four pounds off hype alone. Yeah, But it doesn't mean he's going to come in and then start to be like Kroos or whatever and start to really return lots of dividends it's just not going to be like that but at the same time there's always a desirability to bring in the next big player um, but at the same time um, I feel like I'm saying that a lot but someone like Sancho you're not going to see the ridiculous 1000% anymore because they're not going to IPO anyone that low it's just it's not it's going to be a thing of the past eventually seeing these absolutely ginormous rises Um I don't see that happening in the future. Yeah, I think they're maybe doing a bit more market research behind it or working out what the value of the players actually are. They're not just firing them up for 20p. Either. They're thinking, like, even Todd yeah. Cantwell going on for 120 was a was probably a fair oh, it was spooky because that was exactly who I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, when he went on, I went, wow, that is a ridiculous price. And then he still shot up 50p. But you see, I talked about that. Like, I think, yes, it's a ridiculous price when you think about it compared to I- or, uh, other IPOs. It is. But relative to the actual market at the time, a young English exciting player who's set in the league, like with Norwich were doing Unreal in the, the weeks just before that. Like if you IP, if you IPO'd Cantwell now, he'd probably rise less than he did then just because of the hype at that time. Yeah, definitely. Do you know, but at that time, like, and it showed that 120 was a fair price because he rose to 180, do you know? But everyone says, oh, it's such a ridiculous price for an IPO. And like, yes, it is expensive, but he's all still bought it. That's why it was that expensive. Um, yeah, and I think the exactly. best thing FI can do. As long as that continues. Sorry. As, that, as long as, sorry, as long as that continues, um, FI are going to keep doing it. Mm. You know what I mean? And like I said earlier about the IPOs, I don't really want to go back to it too much. Um, but if they had the if they had the minimum sort of holding period, you would see a lot of people buying Campwell because they think he's a good English prospect, as opposed to I'm going to buy Campwell because even though he's expensive, he's still going to go up, and I'm still going to make X yeah. amount on him. Yeah, I was raging with the Campwell one because it was like. The first game they played, I've said this before, this is like my, like, oh, what could have been? How good's my eye? But, like, I think the first game they had of the season against United or Liverpool, I don't think he scored, but he had a few nice touches of the ball, did a few nice things, and I thought, yeah, he's a cracking player. Um, mm-hmm. And I looked him up and he wasn't there and I was raging, but I had him on my little list of two get when he IPOs, and then he IPO'd like three weeks later after he'd scored like two or three goals, and I was like, oh, for God's sake, just left it off. <laughs> but um, I think, back to Filthy's question, yeah, I think... The increased dividends definitely does cover this. Do you know, if they do add IPO players and everyone's like, oh, you're changing the value of my bet because now they're competing against where people can say, well, look, we increased the dividends by 84% in gold days. 
that won't really yep. you know you're still going to win more money off your cruise than you would have before so yeah exactly. it's kind of if you're looking at it if you're looking at it comparatively uh media has had a massive increase as well but at the same time look at how many sort of just average premier league players are winning at the moment who weren't in uh who weren't in the top 200 Someone like someone like Xhaka, who I actually did have and sold before all this nice media and stuff came in, which is a bit of a shame. But also, I didn't really like him as a whole, so I, I'm not too fast. Um, and I got out of him when he was sort of on the rise, so that's not too bad. But you look at him, and he's gonna—he's going for what his fourth day in a row, or his third day, or something. Yeah. Um, and he was sitting at sort of I don't know, maybe like 50p not too long ago. I think he kind of rose to 80 as he was getting some good fixtures and putting in some decent scores. And now he's sitting at like over a pound and he's still not in the top 200. Um, and there's been a lot, that that bet has been materially changed. Um, and until, what I think they might do this is actually alter the MB matrix um, to sort of start encompassing some other uh, maybe international uh, outlets. That's the word I'm looking for, outlets. Mm. Um, to sort of make media a bit fairer because it is skewed towards Premier League and literally elite players. Yeah, massively. Uh, you don't see many winning it outside that unless there's like a, I don't know. Unless someone punches um, a baby or something. Yeah, but even did then. Grealish not win it when he was in the Championship for getting uh, punched in the head by yeah, a fan or something? Yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think media needs change, but that's, a, that's another day. Um, yeah, comparatively to the media, I don't think the bet changes particularly much for for the big hitters at least. We move on to FI Jack. Have you tried convincing people in your profession to join FI and if so, what are their reservations been about investing in the product? Have you tried that? Uh, to an extent. I think a lot of people kind of assumed I would come on here and be some sort of middle-aged man <laughs> who's been in this profession for ages when actually I'm I'm 21 <laughs> and I've, I've been in my job sort of three and a half months. To be fair, a big job. I asked you like, what are you doing? Whatever you said. And I said, he's got a finance background. Don't hold back or something. <laughs> like everyone's like, ooh, this guy's a guru. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the furthest thing from it. But um, yeah, I have spoke to a few people about it. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people that I work with are sort of more um, rugby inclined. I know that you like rugby, John, but um, it's, it's, it's not my... It's not my thing at all. Yeah. But they are sort of more inclined to that side of things and not a lot of people are big into football. Um the only other guy that I did speak to, he seemed quite interested. Um, but again, I think he's more interested in sort of the watching football as opposed to getting like investing in football. Yeah. Um and a lot of things up here, people people in Scotland are into Scottish football. It's a massive thing. So if you tell someone up here um to get on the index and they're like, Well, can I buy players from Scotland and I'm like well like you can bloody but, foreign sport like yeah it's like you can but it's pretty pointless because the only times you're ever going to win any dividends is when a player's playing for his international team or they're playing in one of the European competitions which recently they've only just brought in the dividends for the international games mm. and the Celtic and Rangers haven't got particularly far in Europe recently so there basically is no point in holding the Scottish players which is a shame yeah, um, unless they unless they're like a Karen Tierney and you think look at the big transfer, but like that's few and far between. True, but look at Odson Edward right now, a great player, um, who I've seen a lot of, but at the same time he's he's already tickling two pounds. Mm. Um, <laughs> which two is pounds. a huge he's a, that's a huge price yeah. for someone who, to be fair, has a great track record up here and he's in the same mould as Moussa Dembele. But even Moussa Dembele who's had what one really solid season and I think he's been sort of alright this year 
I think he's been maybe had a few injuries and stuff. He's got a few goals for sure. Like, because I always look when Leon score, hoping it's the pie. Who he just hit a hundred percent for me. Go me. Um, oh yeah, uh, the pie is just he's he's probably my favorite. Yeah, he's a great. But I'm not I'm not going to try and pump him up in it. I don't know, but I don't. I would. Everything speaks for himself. I don't know if I'd buy more at his current price. Like I'm not pumping him in that way. But yeah, I was happy I got him when I did. But um, every time Leon score, I always click him. It's your man Dembele. I'm raging, and that's happened a few times. So he's definitely grabbing a few goals this season. Yeah, just looking at it there, Dembele is um, two pound twelve. Edouard's one seventy one. He's so he's he's forty p less. He's not got his move. Um, Dembele's got. I'm pretty sure he's got some dividends under his belt, and he's had the Man United links already. Yeah. Um. So you know what I mean. Your opportunities are sort of limited when you're looking at Scotland now, because everybody knows that Celtic are going to sell to big teams now. Mm. So, yeah, you go. Um, rant over, rant get up. Scotland on it. Scotland involved. Well, I've actually had a similar problem over here because Irish league football isn't even at the standard of Scottish football, as terrible as it is. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> to any Scottish listeners, but um, <laughs> oh, we know it's terrible. Yeah, but it's not as bad as Irish league football. It's really woeful, but um. Like I know a load of guys who'd be big into that and they'd follow like Cork City or they'd follow whatever and they reached out to me and said, I'm going to try the football index. And I said, yeah, yeah, use my code or whatever. And they go to sign up and they're like, oh, but fucking that. I said the F word. I said the F word, didn't I? You did. Yeah. Um, the like such and such from Dundalk isn't on it. And I'm kind of like, yeah, that's not what it's about, mate. And he's like, oh, I'll leave it off. But I mean, they can't legislate for everything, can they? I guess someone like, I don't know. Um. I seem to remember, like, years before he moved to England, someone like Will Grigg had lots of hype behind him. I think he came from one of the Irish leagues. Um, I'm pretty sure he was on fire. Yeah, uh, yeah, for, <laughs> for a period of time. He uh, was on fire. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember what I was watching the other day and they were saying about Will Grigg. It was such a shame. I think it was one of the interviews with, uh, for Open Goal. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Um, no. It's pretty big in Scotland right now. Um, a guy, Simon Ferry, interviews, like, past and present pros from sort of Scottish football and uh, it was it was Niall McGinn he interviewed this week and he said that it was a shame for Will Grigg because the whole tournament everyone was singing about him and he didn't play a single minute so yeah um, heartbreaking like so yeah that's that's an issue with people that I, I work with a lot of people um, are into rugby and then past that if they are into football they're more into Scottish football like myself um, but I'm kind of into all football so yeah um, we move on here quickly. Mozar asks, I think we've already answered this, so we don't even need to answer it again, but has having a finance background benefited you in any way while being on the index? And if so, has it helped you in any ways you wouldn't expect? You pretty much, we've answered that. Like, Yeah, I would, like I said, um, it's always good to have the knowledge base and it gives you a sort of better perspective and maybe slightly more analytical, but on the whole, I think you can do just as well without having a finance background. Yeah. And two more quickly to wrap it up. Roarhide asks, I have a notion about credit ratings, so this one's all you. If you were to give FI a credit rating out of 10, what would it be and why? Yeah, quite a quite an odd question. <laughs> um, it was one of the ones I dug into a little bit more. Um, so I had a look at, like, you can you can have a look at FI's holding company on Company's House. Um, just have a little dig of their accounts and stuff. Um, and it seems to be pretty healthy as far as I can see. Um, they had the the problem is they can they can have sort of smaller accounts um, based on their structure, so they don't have to break down necessarily what all their big numbers are. But there was a massive number for creditors um, for last year, and they brought it down very significantly. Um, so basically, money that they were owed to other people. 
um, and they brought that down considerably. So I don't know if that was maybe some sort of loan they had in place. Um, I wasn't really sure because it doesn't give you the breakdown. Mm. But that seems to be quite healthy. Um, theirs isn't ridiculous. Um, and I guess the only other thing I, I, I put in my little answer thing was there's not really been a scandal involving betting since something like Full Tilt. I'm assuming you're quite familiar with like Black Friday, John, since you're saying you're quite into poker and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, I guess it's about segregating playing money from operating funds, which I, I believe F5 maybe came out and said um, that there's they have to follow certain procedures to make that happen. It's probably in the small print on their website. But um, someone was talking about on Twitter, they were saying they've got all this all this player money to go and use and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the, it will be segregated because of this the big poker um, scandal that happened at the sort of the turn of the decade, which I'm not going to talk about because it would get far too messy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, in terms of, <laughs> I don't want to sound negative or anything. I'd want it to be as close to ten as possible. Um. So yeah. I would just give it 10, everybody. 10. Put all your money in it. Um, 10 nah, flakes. I, I would, 10 Boom. flakes. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know necessarily um, to answer the question. Yeah. But but look, it sure is a bit of a tongue-in-cheek kind of question anyway. Roarhide, another sh- a shout-out to him. And Moz and FI Jack and Filthy. In fact, all the people ask questions to Jack Life, these lads post questions every week, so fair play to you. They're much appreciated. Um, last one, then we'll wrap it up. Andrew Mitchell Seeing as a lot of smaller investors are a little pissed off at the new dividend structure that, in their opinion, favours big play for players and therefore big investors, should FI consider introducing a reduced PBMB for players out of the top five leagues, perhaps a team of the week or month? Um, that's my dog going crazy. <laughs> as it has been mooted by FI, they're thinking along a team of the week or month, etc. They could aim... Uh, any new dividends at the squad players to keep the lower market flourish? Yeah, I actually really like this question. It was it was quite in-depth. Um, again, I think I've said this for every question, but you have to split it into two questions because it literally was. Um, the first one was uh, they could aim any new dividends at the squad players to keep the lower, to keep the lower market flourishing, um, which, I, I mean, I don't really see that happen. Um just because the whole point of a player's value, i.e. if someone is a premium hold, the whole point is because they're meant to outperform lower players in terms of dividend uh, returns. So if you started offering just a dividend return for players in the squad, it wouldn't really make sense because they'd be competing less and they would end up having sort of similar intrinsic value to the players who are more expensive. It would kind of take away from the value of the top players, which you really don't want. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why the recent dividend structure is really it really benefits the market because it allows the market to stretch again. Um, you you might see players at ten pound eventually by the end of the season, um, and that gives higher ceilings to these players in the squad. Um, and like we were saying earlier, if someone goes out of favour for whatever reason, and you have a look down the squad, and they're sitting there at sort of sort of between fifty pence and one thirty or whatever the squad's up to now. Yeah, probably sitting on um, thirty. You might, mark. you might be looking at them. Yeah, you might be looking at them comparatively and thinking, I can get on now. And they now have the scope for the guys again because the market's been stretched by the value at the top, and that's only going to happen by players holding intrinsic value. So, in terms of having dividends for the squad, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, I mean, we can't even get tiered PB, and I don't see that happening, which would make more sense because it would mean players who can compete but maybe get outperformed by a Messi or a Neymar. Um, 
they would end up having a little bit more value in their hold. But again, I don't see that happening. And I'm pretty sure they've been standoffish the whole time about Tier TB. Yeah, they don't seem particularly enthusiastic about it anyway. Um, in terms of the kind <laughs> every single of, time it's been shot down, pretty much like proper shot down. Yeah. Um, I've actually I reached out to them to try and see if anyone will come on my podcast. Um, I probably reached out to them about three weeks ago. Still haven't heard back. So I reached out to them again. Still haven't heard back. Nah, I so, wouldn't hold your breath, mate. I'm not going to hold my breath. Maybe, maybe. Um, but yeah, then I'd, I'd rattle their brains about that and different things. But if you're listening to anyone from Football Index, give me a bloody reply, will you? Um, <laughs> not that I'm bitter. I think you'd ask them the questions that people actually want to hear the answers to. Hey, 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 steady, steady. I see what you did there. But what was I going to say? Yeah, there's. I know a few accounts I've seen kind of going on and they're not happy with it at FI for increasing dividends. That's mad. Because it's changed their bet and because they had put money into lower players because they felt that's where the value was and then they feel like FI have moved the goalpost to benefit the top end the, the most. And I, Like, lads, I get what you're at. I get what you're saying. But And one of the, one of the like most vocal about this is I think it's the Blues brother who's also in on this cursing challenge, so fair play to you for being involved in it. But I've, like, well done. I, don't, I don't really agree with it. I think, like... We all knew a dividend thing was coming. You, you, everyone's yeah. in the same park. It's you know, it's a market where everyone has the same information. Now you can go into conspiracies about little groups and people getting other information and stuff, but everyone's just playing the same game. And if you don't adapt, you die. It's like you need to adapt and stay current. It's and FI we, Darwinism, I guess, um, or natural selection of FI, I guess. Um, yeah, I think the important thing is to just adapt and move on instead of complaining about what's happened. And it might be hard to hear that to some people, and they mightn't agree with it. And I get people feel strongly about it that their bets been changed. But I mean, there was there's enough notice. There was market suspended, and I know it didn't really work. But I mean, like, we can't complain about a dividend increase. I think it's increasing the value of everyone on the index. There's been a dividend increase, but the key point to people saying that their bet has been changed is that it hasn't, because there hasn't been a matrix change. So your player has the exact same chance of winning as he did before the dividend increase. It's just when he does win, he is going to win so much bigger. So if you believe in the player who is 50p can go and win a sort of treble day or get a star man and return 16p, which is the ridiculous amount of their price, then that's that's up to you. I think the market is just, it's just woke up to the information that's been given. It's been told you're going to earn more on these big days so people have said oh well who tends to win on these big days who can put in viable scores to win on these days so it's quite natural for the money to have flown in the top the top end now whether that's a bit more beneficial to bigger traders because they can have bigger shareholdings yes but that that would have been the same regardless they're still going to have these big shareholdings and these players who might have rose anyway under the the previous dividend structure but like i said They've not changed the bet. You've still got as much chance of winning as before, but when you do win, you win bigger. So I don't see how any anyone can have a gripe with increased dividends. They've increased like the odds of your bet. They've given you a bigger a bigger chance to win. Your your bet has more value now, and I know it can exactly you can feel hard done by because other people who were holding the PB ones were already holding them and got on them at the bottom. But everyone had plenty of opportunity to switch over. I changed my strategy. I might have market sold and even instant sold a few of those youth holds. And not because I don't believe in them, but because I knew their value was going down because I knew that the PB matrix or the PB dividends were the most likely to be increased. Yeah, and You just have to adapt. And, but 
Exactly. I've still got some youth players on my team, but they're not just going to be young players who are playing in the Carabao Cup sort of thing. You know what I mean? I don't have yeah. many, but I have ones who I can see having breakout Euros, for example, who aren't yeah. a, in a top five league. Um, someone like Malin, who's dropped so much, I don't hold, but he's sort of getting to that, that place now where I think he is actually going to... He's probably going to be starting for Holland um, as they're out and out striker and, and they're maybe going to have like Bergwijn and Depay either side. Again, Bergwijn, another young one who's dropped sort of quite quite big recently. Uh, it doesn't make them bad holes at all. In fact, it kind of... I think I've seen someone talking about this on Twitter. It actually it should increase the value of youth because your your bet on youth is that they are going to be the future dividend returners. So to look at it that way, the fact that youth is dropping, it, it might be a good time to buy it if that's if that's what you want to do. If you have faith in them being uh, dividend returners, but what a lot a lot of people struggle to cope with is like, say you're buying a sixteen year old, you're only holding for three years. So is he going to be a regular dividend returner at nineteen? Mm. Probably not. Yeah, and then people do this whole, which we'll not get into, the kind of career dividend earnings, which I actually meant to um, talk to Jay Hall about last week and didn't, because I think he understands that a bit better than me, and I was ranting about it the week before. But yeah, I think what what's inevitably going to happen next is, I know January transfers around the window, or January transfer window is around the corner, yep. but there will obviously be, <laughs> I think these PB rises will come to a halt. There'll be a bit of a correction, and people will look at the, the decreased, like, value of the youth players and they'll see value there and it'll then they'll get their rise definitely it's inevitable it'll happen but it's just that pb is the flavor of the month and why wouldn't it be this is the first weekend of the new payouts and i hope that you'll be hearing this on monday i hope somebody has won a lot of money i hope it was an interesting weekend but we're going to wrap it up here ross i think yeah no problem i was just going to if uh the second part of that question but it was sort of we'd already spoken oh about yeah it. no it was just it was just play, about yeah. the the pb for or dividends for non PB league, um, and I didn't I didn't want to really say anything too much about it in terms of everybody gets asked who would you I think they put out actually the the questionnaire and it was like if we were to add another league what would everyone want to see, and then I think if you start adding teams from outside the top five leagues where do you stop? Again, I'd love to see Scottish football in it, but can you imagine how much value Celtic Celtic and Rangers players would have because they're they're battering teams week in week out. So where do you, where do you draw the line? Um, I think I think it's fine as it is. Yeah, it's a weird one because if you go like I think a lot of those smaller leagues are like you could say less competitive, but then again, if you look at France and Germany and stuff, like I mean, is it, how true is that in the bigger leagues? But yeah, like it would be an absolute astronomical rise for Celtic players, yeah, and Rangers players or Ajax players. Like you're not talking a little bit; you're talking they could become legit premium holds because. Oh, the yeah. value there for an extra 30 or 40 games a season. You look at someone like Bruno Fernandes last year rose to what like £3 just on the back of a transfer spec but it's because he had about f- he had nearly like 50 goal involvements in the season. Do you know what? He'd, he'd be winning PB every other week. Do you know what? You've just mentioned him and it's made me think to go and look at him because he's the type of player who may have dropped a little bit here. Maybe he rose. But like January's around the corner. So I'm just going to look here. We'll see what value he is and then we'll go Bruno Fernandez, yeah, he's been pretty stagnant the last three months, the last month anyway, sitting at two fifty. He's definitely not a bad hold. Um, he'll be in that Portugal team. Yeah, I mean, he's like, I mean, yeah, and he hasn't like he's he's not too volatile at the minute. It has to be said, and obviously there's transfers back around the corner. But anyway, I don't hold any for people listening. And neither do I. Um, <laughs> yeah. Have you anything else to add on that question then? Before I rudely try and end it, 
No, mate. Um, it's been really good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's funny because like before we were when we were kind of doing the wee like before chat, we were saying like I wonder how long we'll get. And Jesus, like, do you know topics to talk about? And I said to you like, look, trust me, we'll talk about it for an hour. No bother. Here it is, yeah. around forty minutes. <laughs> I just can't keep it to an hour, and I always have not had the podcast should be an hour, an hour and fifteen minutes, but it's always more. No, time flies when you're having fun, John. That's it, Ross. But um, look, seriously, thanks for chatting. This where can people find you? Uh, my Twitter handle is at top of the index. Uh, Ross FI that's that's the best place yeah and uh, if you can't find him you'll see him tagged in the release of this podcast on Monday um, yeah Ross look it's been a pleasure thanks very much have a good weekend you too John it's been great see you later cheers bye bye okay so the podcast actually went on a bit longer than expected as it seems to do every week um, if you are involved in the charity swear pot here we go this is where we're sitting so the first week there was seven swears second week there was eight i rounded it up to ten because i definitely didn't count a few there was five times and then there was five times so we're talking a total of 27 quid so far if you're matching me quid by quid uh today's episode i swore five times so that's that's included in that and ross fi has kindly uh said that he will put eight quid into it which is um his his swear pot plus mine so yeah, I don't even know where we're sitting, 27 by... We're, we're over 100 quid. We're over 100 quid. And uh, thanks very much for taking part. I think it's good fun. Um, one person, Index Effect, I think it was, has disappeared off Twitter. I hope you're listening, bud. If you're listening, reach out to me because you've disappeared off Twitter. I can't find you. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening.